I saw this couple crying and they came up to me after and they said that song was so beautiful. They had just gotten engaged. They said, would you perform it at our wedding? And I said, absolutely, oh my God, that's so wonderful. Because they said they really related to the content. That's obviously, that's why I love it. That's why I love doing it. Their wedding ended up being canceled during COVID, which is a tragedy. But <laughs> what a depressing end to that story. Depressing. They still, I think they still got married. Oh, okay. Well. I would like to think so. How old were you when you first got nominated for a Grammy? So that was in my second year of college. Um, and it was from a jazz, a Latin jazz album that I, I was just assisting in production. I never could have imagined. And I got to go with the, the team to the Grammys and it was, it was awesome. And how old were you when you started uh, working on that project? You know, it was the... Oh, you know what? I was actually a, how old was I? It was very, it was a quick turn. It was the year before and it was like one month long. So it was 2017 winter. Um, and it was just really, I flew back to New York from Chicago. And I think I flew in a, back and forth a couple of times and was just in the studio with them, with the engineer, um, because it was a Latin jazz album, it was all live instruments in the studio, and that was really cool. Um, and so it happened really fast. And then the next, so when the nominations came around, we were all very excited. And tell me about the actual Grammy. So you went with the team? It was Best Instrumental Composition. And it was just incredible to be in a room watching and looking down at the best in the industry you know, all sitting in one place was incredible. You know, these people who I look up to and have wanted to sort of be in a room with since I started wanting to be a part of the music industry. So it was it was an, an like incredible experience. Ed Sheeran, um, I just sort of the iconic Ed Sheeran had he uh, did a perform or did something at the daytime portion, so that was incredible. Um, Adele was there, you know, Taylor Swift, but also um, some sort of producers and songwriters who I like just walked past that I recognized from loving sort of their work. And it was obviously I didn't say a peep to anybody, but it was just an incredible it sort of was a catalyst making me want to really making me so certain that this was sort of the the place that I wanted to be and you know, obviously coming back for a Grammy of my own where I can actually strut across the stage. but And talk to people? And talk to people. The next time I will do talking, yeah. Why didn't you talk to people this time? I was, I mean, it really wasn't, I talked to sort of more producers than artists. I, I think they saw from my face that I was wowed by their presence. But yeah, I, di I didn't say a word. I was just sort of in awe. It's that you always regret when you see someone that you are, just absolutely inspired and in awe of and then you don't say anything and you're like why because they're probably wonderful and if they're not <laughs> wonderful I guess that was maybe I was scared they wouldn't be wonderful and I was gonna 
the, the bubble would be burst. You're afraid that Ed Sheeran's going to say something mean. Snap at me, like get out of my, get out of here, kid. But <laughs> have your projects thus far been mostly jazz, or have they been no, broader? No, not at all. So that was sort of what started me off. It, you know, dipping my toe into the industry it was. I met the producer um, at NYU's studios actually back in 2015. And I was recording one of my songs, which are at the time especially were mostly pop. How um, old were you at that point? I was 16. And I was recording one of my songs at NYU studios and he was recording something next door. And he came in and he said, I love, really like this song. What are your goals? Um, do you want to be sort of part of this? Field. Do you want to? Um, also, Arturo O'Farrell was doing an, another album at the time um, called Cuba. The conversation continues, and he asked me to do liner notes for that album, which is like the research. Um, and I said, of course, um, and I did that for him. And then, so the, for the next project is when he pulled me in as, as an assistant producer. You ever see jazz live here in New York while you lived oh, here? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I loved. Blue Note, a lot of jazz at Lincoln Center. Um, and now you're performing at some of them. Uh, now I am performing, which is, it is a really cool, you know, it's, I'm performing at venues I remember seeing growing up and thinking that must be a cool place to perform, so. Like which ones? Most recently, Mercury Lounge. A lot of wonderful artists have performed there. Bitter End, also historic spot that Vanessa Carlton, Lady Gaga um, have performed at. You like, were telling me there were like signatures in the yeah, green room, right? On there the were signatures in the green room at the bitter end of, you know, going all the way back to like the obviously the 80s, the 90s. And it's so cool to be in the space that people on their musical journeys were starting in as well. What were the signatures you recognized? So there was a Lady Gaga one that was her actual name that was not Lady Gaga. Stephanie, Stephanie, something with a P. Um, there were some bands who I love. There was Vanessa Carlton, who I've always thought was amazing. They're just covered, like, and signatures on top of signatures on top of signatures, because it's not a very big green room, because the venue, you know, it started a long time ago, and it's just been... It really looks the same, and I love that. So you're doing, how often would you say you're performing live now? I'm performing once a month. I'm doing about one show a month now, and I love, I love that because even though I'm sort of really, my favorite part of the process is the songwriting, it's also just wonderful to see, it's so rewarding to see how people are consuming your material and how they're reacting and how they're, one of my shows a couple months ago, I was singing one of my newer songs and I saw one of my friends crying in the crowd. And it's just when you can see that you've moved someone in any capacity, whether they're grinning or crying, I mean, it's that's sort of why I love performing. How many songs have you written at this point, would you say? I have written a, like 175. Damn. Yeah. There are a lot of them. And where are they now? Like, what's the distribution like? Like, some of them are sung by some people, some other people right now. Yeah, so some of them have been sung by artists, um, American Idol finalists, some this great British pop singer, um, this wonderful singer. She was also nominated for a Grammy. I remember my dad was watching a documentary about, like, 
I want to say Garth Brooks or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember is he came to me afterwards and was like, did you know that all these country singers are picking from the same pool of songs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's wild. It's a crazy... It is... But country, yeah, but country music is such a specific, you know, part of the industry. How does... How do you feel when people, like your friends or someone, are like, wait, they don't write all of their own uh, music, like Taylor Swift or whoever they right. love? It's so, yeah, I've, I love reading about who does write all their stuff or who is at least always in the room writing and who's really hands-off. And it's such an interesting... People are very surprised a lot of the time, but now they always ask me. My friends are always like, and it did this... Are they involved? And, like, a song comes on the radio, and they're like, and is she involved? And, like, I mean, I obviously don't know specifically everybody, but there are some... Mostly I know if they're very involved. I don't know if they're, like... Yeah? Who do you know? Like, Ed Sheeran, I know, has been... he Because he started just writing himself. Um, Now, obviously, he has other writers in the room with him, but he's always, like, really the, the... One of the big brains of the operation, and I think that's great because... Theoretically, he could have he could be more hands off, but he is always hands on. Is that what tends to happen? They get a little successful, and then it's more hands off. It's it's likely. I have Apple Music because I also like looking at the at the bottom. It shows you who wrote each song, hmm. and some of them have like ten writers on them. So wow. it's it's I always like looking, but then some have two, and it means that both were super involved. And I mean, ten writers could also be involved. I've never written with more than three people. I always read the Wikipedia page of songwriters to find out, mm-hmm. but it looks different. In a, it, it really could just be one moment that you're in the right place at the right time, and the right person hears you, and then gives you that that chance to sort of work with them. To like the a point Maggie of, Rogers or something. Well, well Maggie Rogers, that was in a, the dream moment for all walking into the class and hearing the song and loving it. But so it's, it's things like that where it truly is just a, a, a magical co- coincidence or not. So You ever feel bad for the other four people who are in the, that people room? People who are in that classroom who played yeah. their music and... This, the, for people who don't know, there's an artist named Maggie Rogers, a singer, mm-hmm. songwriter, who was in, I guess, an NYU grad school music program, mm-hmm. something like that? I think that. it was undergrad. Oh, okay. Undergrad program at NYU, was taking, like, a song production class, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Pharrell came in for, like, a master class or something. Yeah, he came in, and everyone played their songs, and he heard Maggie Rogers' song, and the rest is history. Right. But he also heard... He also heard other people's songs and they did not make the cut, which is... That is painful. That is painful. I mean, but that's the thing. It's a very competitive industry and you, I'm sure many of those songs were incredible, but he heard something about her song that he thought was special or what he wanted to work with at that time. So, I remember watching that video and thinking that she also did just a better job of describing her mm-hmm, style mm-hmm. and sort of telling a story. Because sure. she has a very unique style that has become sort of... Sometimes I write a song and I'm like, this is in the style of Maggie Rogers because mm. it's it's a very specific style. Like, how can I send this to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, Maggie Rogers' email. No, but it's a lot of... Um, it's... Yeah, she did a great job in, 
And that she took that moment and she knew it was her moment. And so everybody has a different moment like that. I remember reading about, I mean, this is maybe a little boring, but the <laughs> rights, uh, like who owns the mm -hmm. rights? Like Taylor Swift now is re-recording a mm -hmm. bunch of her stuff. Yeah, Taylor's version. Taylor's version, is that right? Yeah, because, yeah, she didn't have the rights to the original recordings, which is, that's, that's sort of a, a big part of why people now caution for certain, because her particular, I don't know the details of her original deal with Scooter Braun, but he owned it all. Like he, she could not. Who is that? I'm not really. He's this music executive. He basically launched the career of Justin Bieber, um, Ariana Grande. He's, he's a, he's very sort of, he's the, he's in there. But this, this sort of, this Taylor Swift thing really made people turn their head at him and think, what the heck? But, because he owned them and he wouldn't let her do what she wanted with them. So she, I mean, honestly, she's done, the Taylor version has done so, so well, and people are obviously all Team Taylor, so she, they're, I'm sure she's doing okay. Yeah. But she, yeah, she had to re-record, which is, you know, it's, she's, they, I've listened to, you know, both, obviously, and it's, a, it's kind of an interesting, you never really hear, artist re-release that because it hasn't been that long it's been actually I don't know maybe it's been longer than I thought but to hear the re-release is kind of an interesting an interesting especially given the reason people were really upset about it but uh yeah just from a musical perspective did you like either of them better like the original versus mm. the Taylor version just from a musical perspective not with regard to <sighs> I think I like the new version, because you can kind of, she was so young in the other version, and it's very, it's great, it's also amazing, but you can kind of tell that more, she's had more experiences, she's had really many heartbreak moments in her life, it's, you can kind of feel in this new version, um, whereas the other version, you know, she was younger, and this, I felt had more emotion behind it, but they're both great. And also the, the production is, I think, a little bit better on this newer version. And as a songwriter, I think you're always trying to get that chorus that people are going to sing along to for the rest of time. And they nailed it. And that song's now, I think, at least 10, 12 years old. But it is, it's just iconic. And I, it is held up really well. And I, I love it. And so probably that. And so, but, it, you know, it's not necessarily, it's just, I listen to songs thinking of how they were written. Hmm. And sometimes I try to guess when I'm hearing a song for the first time, I try to sing what I think comes next to see if I am like on the same page as the songwriter who wrote oh, it. Oh, interesting. Which is, yeah. I'm, I'm sometimes not. I'm right, sometimes I'm not, and then it's really a dissonant moment. How are you able to guess them? Is there a technique to it? Well, like that Halsey song, to be honest, it is, it sort of feels like it follows more of a formula. Okay. Um, and I don't know, but it's just how, it's the same way that when I'm writing a song, I feel like I know what should come next. Mm -hmm. It's like when I'm given, a, when I hear a verse, I know kind of where it should go according to sort of the commercial appeal. Hmm. And so that, that, yeah, I, that's why that one was particularly doable because she is sort of like the epitome of like a pop music. Like those are pop songs. That's like a top whatever pop song and those are the easiest for me to like 
like sort of figure out because it follows the verse, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus type of style most of the time. And so I just think it's kind of fun because I, in addition to, I, that's why I write a lot of different types of music because I also want to write sort of commercially appealing songs, but I also do want to write things that I'm just moved to write. Um, but I think you have to be good at both to, to really be a songwriter. Hmm. So keeping in mind that I know almost nothing about music mm -hmm. on a technical level mm -hmm. like you do, what, what makes it commercially appealing? Easy to listen to one time and be able to recount hmm. or an earworm, which is like every songwriter wants to write an earworm, which is a song that just gets in your head right away. Okay. Like you hear it and then it's in your head and you can't get out of your head. Um, but like what? And what makes it that is that's why I think a lot of them follow. A f so, and not all of them. And it's not easy to write yeah. a song that follows a formula. It's just more. And actually I watched a video that Charlie Puth was, he was talking about, he's a musical genius. He knows everything about music theory. He's he has perfect pitch and he's just great. Um, and Do you? I don't have perfect pitch. I have close. Also, what is that? Perfect pitch is like you hear a sound and you can tell me what note it is exactly. Interesting. And I don't have that, but he has it, it, it like I've never seen before. And he was talking about, someone asked him like, if you're this incredible musical prodigy, why are your songs so, I mean, the person was kind of being rude. They were like, why are your songs so basic? And why are they like just lame pop songs? And he responded. I admire their confidence. Right? And I was shocked that he took the time to respond, but I think he wanted to address it. And he said people wouldn't find it as easy to listen to a song that has like a minor diminished fifth suspended ninth chord in it, which he could certainly write. And he probably does for other purposes, but he writes songs that he knows are earworms and knows are catchy. And it's almost easier for him because he's so, so good at musical theory and all of that, that he can, he knows what fits in the human brain in a sort of well-packaged simple pop song that is good and easy to listen. People want to listen to it when they're walking down the street. They want to listen to it, you know, in the car, at the gym, whatever they're doing. But it's easy to want to listen again. It's easy to sing it. It's when it gets to the chorus, people know exactly what they're hearing. Um, and I think that's what sort of makes it commercially appealing or earworm. But Who are the, I mean... It means commercially appealing, but who are the lame pop artists now? That are, that do the formula? Yeah. Um, I think, and again, I love this music, so it's, right. I wouldn't like consider it lame. I would consider it effective, effective, very effective. And that's what, that's why I loved that Charlie Puth said that. Cause he was like, I'm a freaking musical genius, but mm -hmm. I'm going to make songs that a person who knows nothing about music can hear and sing in their head and enjoy mm -hmm. um not to say that they couldn't enjoy a really complicated jazz song but it's probably harder for them to want to go back to that interesting i think it was his thesis and i, I kind of agree. i guess i agree um but it 
I guess Halsey. A lot of her songs have a similar sort of vibe. Charlie Puth for sure. Um, you know, a lot of like these new TikTok artists, like, um, you know, the, I don't know if you've heard the song A, B, C, D, E, F, U or something. It's like by. I have heard that. Yeah, it's by I'm not Gale. on TikTok. It, it's. That song has emanated through the world. Yeah. And it's because it's just very anthemic. It's an anthem. A, it's sort of a simple concept. Like she's going through the alphabet and then she's saying F, U. And listing all the things that F, U for this, this, and this. And it's. The melody is. Not complex in that a person can't sing it right after hearing it one time. And it's. One of, it, she You're saying they up. can? They can yeah, sing? Yeah, like someone who doesn't know music could probably know exactly where she's going with it hmm. after hearing it one time. Interesting. I think. I mean, these are all just my thoughts and opinions. And again, it. I think it's a very clever song. It's a great, it's, a well, it's very well written. All of these songs that follow the formula are so well written because not everybody can follow those formulas. You have to know exactly what you're doing. And that's where being a good songwriter comes in to play. And is it a question of, like, following a formula versus what would you say is the other side of that coin? Originality? No, not originality. I think more just not having in mind a certain arc of the song. Like, you don't... Okay. You're not going into it thinking, I need a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus that moves in this particular way. It's just, like, and and I've written the formulaic songs, and I've also sat, sat at the piano and... I just let whatever comes out come come out, and I love those songs as well. And so those are some of my favorites. Um, but for example, the song that I that new song I had written a couple months ago that my that the audience at that show loved, and I keep performing is I think follows that formula also. Hmm. Um, and that's that's just part of that's part of it, and that's part of trying to be a good songwriter. Which is easier for you to write? Do you find? Hmm. It's honestly sometimes harder to write the formulaic songs, so I would say probably just not. Just that one is trickier because you have to sort of think about. You really have to think about it when you're not. When I'm not trying to follow a formula, I just sort of let it let it ride and let it flow. Um, so I would say that. Interesting. And then, I guess the flip side of the earlier question is who are the people who are not following the formula that are very popular? Or are there not as many because you just don't become as popular? No, I think there are, especially now. I think people are listening to a lot of different types of music now. There's still the top 40 pop that are always going to be more in people's face. But I think, like, Maggie Rogers has has had tremendous commercial success and has it does not follow that formula at all. She... Every song is so different, and you, I don't think, I think I could sing back the chorus of her songs, but, like, I could don't think I could sing back those songs after hearing it once because they're complex and they move in a lot of different ways, and they're, this, this, the format is just unique to that song. Um, same with, like, Phoebe Bridgers, who has also had great commercial success. Um, yeah, a lot of... I guess they, those wouldn't be considered squarely pop, but at all. But I think it's becoming more genres are are melding into each other more. I think there's a lot of cross genre work happening. That's really great. 
When did you start serious songwriting? I would say when I got to college. I was okay. definitely writing throughout high school. I mean, I've been writing some, like, ditties since I was five years old on the piano, but I started writing songs when I was 10 mm-hmm. um, and knew nothing about what I was singing about, but I was writing them anyway. Like what? Actually, nine years old is when I wrote my first love song on the guitar. It was called Be Strong, and my goodness gracious, it is tough to watch. To Want to do a little of it? Oh, my goodness. I actually have the, like, oh, man, I have the photo booth video that I took of myself singing it. You're probably going to want to cut this out, but. <laughs> oh, We're no. definitely leaving this in. loads in the iCloud it's legitimately from I don't know why I was recording like I don't know who I thought this would see this video or I'm wearing dandelion pants but for everybody and I have side bangs in this video I'm nine years old (laughs) tough Um, I actually had no idea what I was talking about. I didn't know, had not felt romantic love ever, but, you know. You're saying the what you did to me was wrong didn't come from a place of deep emotional turmoil? I don't think so. I was a pretty happy little nine-year-old, not particularly angsty, but what you did to me was wrong, but I must be very strong. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe I was bullied at the time, (laughs) but it was... Yes, and then for the so next... It's odd to have a love song towards your bully. So true. Yeah, no, no, and I very specifically say, I was in love and thought you were too. What <laughs> am I talking about? But, and I did that, I was writing love songs from age nine to present day, but eventually I knew what I was talking about, but it took a while. And, um, yeah, so I think I started seriously, I started writing songs that I was proud of in high school, and then, but I, I certainly didn't know that I wanted to pursue it full time. Otherwise, I probably would have gone to school for it, not to UChicago. Love UChicago, but, you know. Then I, in college, but it made me have to do it on my own, which was great. And when I got to college, I really was just writing songs all the time. And I was like, I, this is really what I want to do. I would want to come back from class and just write songs. And I think the turning point was... <sighs> In 2018, well, I mean, obviously the Grammy album was incredible, but in terms of the songs that I wrote in 2018, that same producer asked me to write a a pop ballad um, about the border wall issue, but not not politically. Like, the lyrics were not supposed to be political. It was supposed to be about, like, the human element. Um, And he said he was going to put it on... Arturo Farrell's next album and it was going to be sung by somebody interesting and I had 24 hours to write it. Wow, 24 hours. Absurd. I mean, I mean, I write songs fast a lot of the time. Sometimes it's in one sitting, like an hour or so, but when you have a very specific song you have to write and you really have to do justice to the issue and also not be political, 
I mean, it was fine. Uh, it was also finals at college. <laughs> so I just locked myself in the basement of my dorm in the piano room. And I just, I really didn't leave. Maybe I left for like two hours to take a nap, but I didn't leave until, because I didn't have it until like the last two hours of the 24 hours. It's like <clears> 22 <throat> hours in a basement of your dorm singing about the border. And UNICEF ended up picking it up and using it for their social media campaigns. Um, and so it was sort of, that was a big turning point. Do you have any more contact with people you work with, like Mandy Gonzalez? Or yeah, yeah, we, we became, because I got to be in the studio with her and record it and teach the song to her, which was amazing. amazing. What does teaching the song look like? So I, she had been given the lyrics to sort of, so that she could, properly emote, you know, when she was performing and being, we were filming the music video at the same time. But I sat down on the piano and I sang it for her a couple times and then she would start singing along with me and then I would let her sing it. Um, but mostly it was just me playing the song for her once through regularly and then bit by bit. And then, I mean, because she's a Broadway star, she's obviously, she's very good at learning. Her ear is amazing and she learned it really fast. But yeah, I mean, that was the first time I had been in a studio teaching someone the song. A lot of it is, so you send it off and they learn it. Um, so that was a really cool... Do you have any footage of that? I do, I do. Are do we allowed do? to see that or yeah. is that confidential? Yeah, of course. Let's see if I can... This is a new phone, so let's see if it will load up. Oh, it oh. It's the beauty of the cloud. Um, okay, June of And, um, Do you have any footage of you two singing together? Oh, I have. I don't have footage. I have a or great... audio. No, I don't have audio. I should have had. Cause, I mean, no one thought to record it. I have a great photo, but that doesn't help on a podcast. I'll see it. Okay, just everybody listening, just know it's a great photo. Um, let's, let's... Oh, while you're on the. Yeah. While you're on your phone, do you have any other early songs of yours? Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't... I'm not early, early. Let's see. What in the world? You didn't save your other photo booth recordings. No, that is literally the only photo booth. It's, it's upsetting that I have that, but... Um, <laughs> my first song that I ever wrote, I was five, and it was called Blue and a Half. Can we make I that, 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 really um, that the photo booth won the outro to this? You know, sure. <laughs> okay. Little Greer would be honored. Um, present day Greer would be appalled. Only if everyone listening then goes and listens to my actual most recent song on Spotify so they know I'm, I'm no fraud. <laughs> that's, uh, we'll make it the intro, too. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but people will be very confused. They'll be like, this. They'll say Grammy winning. <laughs> Like, they're really letting anyone into the music industry these days. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever get to a point where 
let's say you become a very successful artist on your own and you've mm-hmm. written for people and all that stuff that you want to do, mm-hmm. do you think you'll ever get to a point where you regret having written for people at all? No, 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 definitely not. I Because that's what I love the most is... And I don't think... I, I love performing my music as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and down the road, that would be incredible as well. But the part of the process that I love is just, you know, it's having my songs heard. And I think there are so many people with incredible voices um, and maybe fewer people with incredible songs who mm. also have incredible voices. Um, I think I, I like my voice. I've heard that people think it's a, it has a unique tone, which I that's a, a tremendous compliment. And I love singing. I've never taken a voice lesson, so I'm sure... It could be better, but it's, I, I do love my voice. I think it's, and it's, as I, because I sing so, so often, it's obviously gotten much better over the years. And actually when I was a kid, like a child, child, like five to seven, could not hold a note. Literally mm-hmm. was my music teacher at, in kindergarten, actually at the parent teacher conference was like, you guys, she's bad she's really bad and she's loud when you were five yeah my that's parents, a pretty brutal music I'm, teacher well she's actually wonderful shout out to her and she's probably no that's pretty teacher. brutal well i mean it, 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 i think i was really bad which is fine as i was five what am i gonna I'm not going on the metropolitan opera stage but i was sent to this um my parents put me in a musical theater camp over the summers and i just kind of learned kind of to not shriek i learned how to sing and so I do love, I love my voice. I would, I would not, obviously every, I'm sure everybody, even the best singers in the world wish that they could do things that other singers do. But, um, I think it, you know, they suit my songs well when I perform them. I also do still love hearing other voices sing my songs, but I'm certainly always enjoying singing and I'm never, I never am like, ugh, I really don't want to sing. Well, we spent a lot of time. I know, it's good, I, it's good stuff. I appreciate it. Of course, I, yeah. I'm, I'd love to come see your next live show. Yeah, please do. Uh, well, I'm in New York. And, please do. Uh, yeah, cue uh, your nine-year-old. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe I'll quickly copyright it so I can <laughs> sue and have it taken off. <laughs>